Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your mercy, for your love, for your kindness, for your grace, for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying on the cross. As we share in communion today and we focus on what that means, Father, help us to be right with you, to be obedient to your word, and to rejoice in the victory that is yours alone. Father, open our ears and our minds to your word and work on our hearts that we would be changed today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, knowing the amount of announcements and awards and things going on this morning and with communion, we knew that the time would be shorter. So uh, I won't go as long as normal. I promise you we'll have you out in time for lunch. But I did title today, in light of communion, do this in remembrance of me. And the Olympian kids got awards for their hard work, and part of that is memorizing verses. And as I mentioned, as I get older, and teens, I'm not that old, but as I get older, it's harder to remember things. I find things that came so easily before doesn't come quite as easily now. And the teens were getting ready to go on a ministry trip on the other side of, of, uh, of Cumberland, Maryland, in the first week of August. And one of the requirements for them to go is they have to memorize a passage of Scripture, which is Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. And I am just amazed at how quickly they can memorize that verse and say it word perfect back. It took me quite a while to get that down. For me to memorize Scripture, I have to break it down and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it some more. It takes a while. And that's probably the truth for most of us. We don't just read it once and know it. We have to go over it a few times. That repetition puts it in our mind and helps us to remember what it says. Repetition is an important thing. Communion is one of the ordinances given to the church for us to repeat, to do over and over again. The other day... I gave my middle son directions on how to drive from one place to another that he hadn't been. And as a newer driver, you know, you don't know the roads in the area as well. So as I explained the directions to him, I then repeated the directions a second time very carefully. And then I repeated the directions again to make sure that he was listening to me. And then I made him repeat the directions back to me to make sure that he got them. And he did with no problems. But the repetition is what sets that in the mind and be able to do it. We also know this with sports teams. You get the idea. They do drills, right? The same drill over and over again to get used to it so it becomes second nature. So that the muscles remember certain actions and movements become more comfortable with it and more natural for them. And weightlifting, obviously one of the most common things, will do the same motion over and over and over Again, to strengthen that muscle, to build that up. They call it reps. They have so many reps that they do on each set. Repetition. Well, I'm going to use that word reps, R-E-P-S, as an acronym for my points this morning as we 
practice communion more than once, and we're going to look at what, why we practice communion and some reasons uh, for the purpose in observing communion. So if you have your Bibles, please open them at this time to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll pick it up in verse 17. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen reads, In the following directives I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be divisions among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. Well, why do we practice communion? Well, first of all, we practice communion because we were directed by Jesus Christ to practice communion. We do it in obedience to His Word. But I have for you four purposes in observing communion. And the first purpose in observing communion is to remember Christ. To remember Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25 again read, And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We're to remember Christ for his life on earth. He existed before he came to be a man. He is fully God. He was at the creation, at the beginning. But... There was a point in which he became fully man and he walked on this earth. And we are to remember his life, his example before us of how we should conduct ourselves. His example of love and generosity and giving and kindness. Being convic- standing firm in his convictions. These are examples that we should follow. 
we also should remember how he expressed God to us, to know more about God through his deity, through his miraculous signs that he did and wonders and healing people and raising the dead. We are to remember the life of Christ and that he came not only to show us how we should act and conduct ourselves, but he came with a purpose and a mission. And we're to remember his death. He came to die. And not just a normal death, but a humiliating, painful, sacrificial death. Death on a cross. He died and gave himself up freely for us and was beaten and spit upon, had his beard plucked out, had a thick crown of thorns pushed into his head, whipped, laid on a wooden cross with nails driven through his hands and nails driven through his foot, both feet, and hung up in humiliation for everybody to see, to suffocate and die. We are to remember the sacrifice that God did for us. The perfect lamb. Salvation isn't free. We talk about the free gift. There was a major price paid for that gift. It's free to us. But it wasn't free. We are to remember his life. And we are to remember his death. But it doesn't stop there. We are to remember the resurrection. That Jesus Christ conquered death. Death could not hold him. He is God who is bigger than anything here and defeats death. Who more should we trust our death to and to the man and God who conquers death? What faith we have and trust that we can have to put in Christ for our eternity because he conquered death. And that conquering death brings it all together. If he stayed in the grave, Christianity wouldn't mean what it means. We serve a risen Savior. All the other religions don't have that. They're false. We have the true religion with the true God and the things of this earth cannot hold him. He is risen. We are to remember his death, his life, and the resurrection. We do this in remembrance of Christ. The second purpose in observing the communion is to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight and 29. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. This teaches us not to take communion lightly. I think sometimes because of the ritualness of it, we don't think about the holiness of it and the importance of it. It's not something to just do. It is something to be a part of. And we don't want to take it lightly. By taking it lightly, we're treating Christ with indifference and bringing judgment upon ourselves. We are to examine ourselves and make sure that we're right before Christ. There are many things that come into our lives. We are sinful and fallen creatures and we allow sin to enter. But we have a God that is always willing to forgive. And we just need to ask for that forgiveness. But before you partake of the communion, we believe here 
at Fellowship Bible Church that we don't limit communion to being just people who are members of our church. It is open to anybody that attends here. We just want to emphasize and make sure that you know that the requirement is that you're a believer, that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and are trusting Him for your eternity, that He has changed your life and has taken away your sins. It's open to anybody who can make that claim. But we who can make that claim still have sin in our lives. And we should not be taking the communion until we make sure that we're right with God. And I want to challenge you today to make sure in moments that we give you to confess to God any sins so that you do not partake unless you're right between you and God. And what a joyous place that is to know when you're at peace with God and things are right. But we are to examine ourselves. And in so examining ourselves, we should be convicted, we should be humbled, and we should be grateful. We should be convicted because of the enormous sacrifice that Christ made for you. Thinking about what he did on the cross for you. Oh, if it wasn't true that I didn't have to have Christ spill his blood because of the sins I've committed. But that's what it takes. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. And it took the perfect lamb to pay the price for my sins and your sins. So we should be convicted about the cost and the love and what he did for us. And that should motivate you to be right and to clean up anything in your life that's not right between you and God and to make sure that you are where you need to be before you partake in communion. We should be convicted about sin in our lives and get right with God. But we should be humbled because without Christ, we'd be lost. We are not capable in our own strength of doing anything to cause us to get back to God. As good as we can be is not good enough. We are sinful. We need a Savior. We need a way back. And it was only through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that we have that way back to God. So we need to be humbled that we are not the it. We are not the big. We think of ourselves sometimes bigger than we ought to. But when we look at the whole universe and how big it is and how small we are, but yet God made us in His image and He loves us that much, man, if that doesn't humble you, we should be. Now, God loves us and we are designed for great things. Each of us was made with a purpose. So you're not insignificant. But compared to God, we certainly are. And we need to be humble. That's part of examining ourselves, understanding the greatness of God. And then grateful. Grateful that a God that big wants to draw near to you. And we have the opportunity to be close in fellowship with the Creator and the Maker of everything. The one who knows what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. The one who gave us His Word that will tell us He's coming again, He's preparing a place for us, and for anybody who knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will dwell with God forever. Wow. We should be grateful. So, we should be examining ourselves, convicted of our sins, 
convicted because of what Christ did, humbled at the work that it took, and knowing how great he is, and grateful for how much he loves us and has given to us. But not only should we remember Christ and examine ourselves, the third purpose in observing communion is to proclaim his death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Through communion, we are proclaiming the gospel. It is represented in the cup and the bread. The gospel. The sacraments show us the incarnation of Christ. It shows us that Jesus Christ was both fully man and fully God. He is the one and only Son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, incarnate, is shown through this. And then, of course, the cup representing his blood and the wafer representing his body, reminding us of his death the payment that we had to have for sin. Jesus gathered the twelve together in a room to celebrate the Passover feast, something that they would do annually to remember the exodus out of Egypt in the final plague of death. But they had to take a lamb, a pure lamb, and sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And then the angel would pass over them and they would be saved. Well, Jesus is the perfect lamb. And his blood had to be shed for the remission of our sins, for that death of separation from God to pass over us, if we accept that, and if he's on the doorpost of our hearts. He is dying for us. He paid the price. And through the blood and through the body, we remember the price of his death that was paid for us proclaiming his death until he comes. But again, we're also proclaiming that resurrection. As we're saddened about the death that it took, we can rejoice in the death that it took because it didn't hold him. That he is alive and that he defeated death. And through that, we have the hope of eternity and life after this life. How great it is to know when you're around a loved one who is at their end and they pass, that they're Christian. Because then there's joy. There's sorrow in missing them, but there's joy in knowing where they are. And joy in knowing if you're saved that one day you'll see them again. That is a great joy to be able to share in and to have. The resurrection of Christ means life. And that is proclaimed through his death. But also, we have the promise of him coming again. And we don't know when Jesus is going to come again. I know a couple Saturdays ago, I guess he was supposed to come. That didn't happen. No man will know the day or the hour. That's what the scripture says. But there is a day that he's coming. That is promised and we should be looking for it. We should all be prepared for it. And looking for the return of Christ. That's another thing we're proclaiming and sharing in. Through his death. Because it says we are proclaiming his death until... He comes. It doesn't end there. He is coming again. He has promised us he will, and he will come again. And when he does, everything we know here will change. 
And I look forward to the rapture and being with God and being able to see all this happen. When the sin of this world is changed, when I'll be with God forever, and the difficulties of this life pass away. And when we have that hope, the difficulties become smaller and the joy becomes bigger. Because even if the difficulties last for a hundred years here, that's nothing compared to the eternity we're going to have with God. So I can live with my knee that doesn't quite work the way that I want it to work or my back that hurts or family members that my heart hurts for. Problems that happen in workplaces and friends and relatives. Still want to have compassion and work and, and, and help people. But we know that these problems are temporary. They are not permanent. Because we serve a risen Savior who has promised to come again. So we proclaim His death until He comes. And the fourth purpose in observing communion is to share in the body of Christ. It's referenced to here, but if I get you to turn back one chapter to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 and 17. It reads, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we gave thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. We call it communion, or the Lord's Supper. Communion means um, to share or participate in. It is to have in common. When we share in communion, when we take communion, we are sharing in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sharing in the salvation that we have through Him. We are sharing in the eternal life that we know that we have. When we get together, we are communicating to those around us and to anybody who sees the gospel and participating and sharing in Christ. So we need to remember the reps. The R is to remember Christ. The E is to examine ourselves. The P is to proclaim his death until he comes. And then the S is to share in the body of Christ. So as we prepare to take communion this morning, we don't want to take it lightly. We want to be serious about a serious issue. And we want to examine ourselves as we remember Christ to make sure that there's nothing between you and God. And do business with God if there is. And if you have never asked God to forgive you, it's never too late. Now's the time. It's only too late after you die. Today is the day that you can do that. To get right with God. To have your sins forgiven. And it's a joyous thing to get to share in this table and proclaim the gospel of what Jesus Christ did for us and to share together as Christians in the eternal life that is coming and the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. It's a great thing to be right with God.